Welcome back to another edition of Broomsticks and Butterbeer. I'm Dan Rhino. I'm Jessica Rhino. And if you are listening to us as we release these episodes, it's probably been a little while since you've heard our glorious voices. And uh, that's because as we we are recording this in April of 2020, um, the uh, world is ending as we speak (laughs) around us. We are currently... Uh, knee-deep in the coronavirus pandem- pandemic. And Jessica, you and I uh, both... We're, we're survivors. We are survivors, we think. Like, you, you're you a few days ahead of me, so you think you've, you've got, it, got it licked at this point. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've declared victory. You've it's declared official. victory. Um, I'm tentatively declaring victory. Uh, this is probably the first time that I've really felt comfortable enough with my voice to get back on a microphone and i'm trying i'm gonna try not to cough into the microphone i'm gonna try to um throw it over to you if i feel like i'm out of breath a little bit because i just don't feel like i'm back to normal yet it's a process um we've both been sick for about three weeks you know confirmed covid19 case in on my end and a presumed case on, on your end and it's just um, it's been rough you know it's just it's the world is not you know maybe when you're listening to this five years from now in 2025 you know we'll look back on it and think that it wasn't that big a deal but you know hopefully we can bring you a little bit of entertainment on, on this episode a little distraction anything that can kind of uh, get our minds off of what is going on in the world right now which you know, it hit us very close to home. You know, we a lot of people in said, our home. Yeah, literally in our home. A lot of people <laughs> said that, you know, by the time this is over, everybody's going to know somebody that that had this this disease. And um, you and I definitely know people. We know each other. I know you. I know you. Oh, look, Hi. there we go. So uh, we're maintaining social distancing right now. I don't know. We're about three feet away from each other. So we're 50 percent. <laughs> following the uh, guidelines. I don't, I don't think it applies to us. We're superheroes now. Yeah. We're immune. Kind of. Until the, sec- <laughs> until the second wave comes around. And, until it mutates. Yeah. But it's it's very serious and, you know, it's we're trying to make light of it because of what we've been through and what other people are going through. But hopefully we'll be back on a regular schedule now. Hopefully uh, we sound okay to you. I know we normally sound glorious, but it may sound a little less than glorious. Maybe, uh, what's less than glorious? I don't know. Amazing? Amazing, yeah. Credible, spectacular? Let's go spectacular. But hopefully we'll just sound spectacular. I think that's one step down. Okay. So we'll try to do our best uh, to get back on track here. <coughs> but thanks, for everybody, for sticking with us. Thanks, to everybody, for... 
uh, the emails you've been sending in. I'm going to try to spread them out over the next few episodes. So, you know, we kind of get to everybody's emails. And I, I did respond to everybody that, that emailed in just to let you kind of know our situation. We have not forgotten about you. We um, love and care about everybody who, who supports our show here. And um, hopefully, like Jess said, we can uh, give you a little distraction from the uh, real world right now. Or just something to do. Yeah. Just something, something to do. Something to do while you're sitting at home. That that would you be. You can only watch so much TV, and, and then I get a headache. Well, that would be the, the the greatest compliment that I I could give if somebody said that we listened to your show and it it you know took us out of what was going on for at least forty five minutes or so. That would be you know one of the greatest. Oh, uh, did they not listen to it all? Oh <laughs> well, you're saying we're going to go over forty five minutes here? We generally do. Well. Let's, uh, let's and get, this was a big chapter. Let's get rolling then. Uh, we are wrapping up Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. We are going to be talking about the penultimate chapter today. That means second to last. Ah, I see. Penultimate. Did you look that up before we started? Uh, no, that's a word I actually knew. Huh. So from you know my, lots of words from, from you're a librarian. From my writing days, uh, my website writing days, I, I learned that one a uh, few years ago. But uh, the penultimate chapter, we're going to talk about chapter 21 today, Hermione's Secret. Before we do that, let's recap chapter 20, The Dementor's Kiss. So here's my recap, Jess. You ready? I'm ready. Uh, we're heading out of the Hidden Tunnel under the Whomping Willow. We've got Crookshanks, Lupin, Peter Pettigrew, Ron, Snape floating motionless along. We've got Sirius Black, Hermione, and Harry. So kind of a, a very motley crew of It sounds like a party to me. Here. I mean... Uh, Lupin turns into a werewolf. Oh. Sirius turns into his dog form to protect everyone. Peter Pettigrew turns into his rat form and escapes in the drama. Sirius and Lupin both run off into the woods. Harry hears a dog yelping and runs to help. Harry sees Sirius surrounded by Dementors. He tries his Expecto Patronum charm but can't conjure it up. Uh, the Dementors now focus on Harry. Harry is sure this is the end. He tries to go out fighting, but he feels his life force being sucked away. Suddenly, there's a blinding light illuminating the area. The cold feeling starts to leave Harry's body. Harry sees a bright white animal galloping across the cantering. water. Cantering. Cantering. Remember, in my book, it was cantering. Uh, the person next to the animal, uh, who we're assuming conjured the Patronus, looks strangely familiar, but Harry knew it couldn't be who he thought it was, and he passes out. That was I, chapter 20. That was quick. Chapter 21, Hermione's Secret. After all this happens, we skip to the infirmary of Hogwarts. Snape has come to from his, um, uh, what's it called, rigor mortis-like uh, condition. I was just going to say his ordeal, but yes. And uh, Harry, Ron, and Hermione are all in infirmary beds in various states of consciousness. Lupin is missing, presumably still wandering around the, the woods and werewolf form that's probably for the best uh serious be in the castle serious has been captured because as far as everybody knows this is the big bad guy who's escaped from azkaban prison and was still on the loose serious has been captured awaiting the dementors arrival they've got him holed up in flitwick's office i believe and snape is being commended by cornelius fudge he of the purple toed boots purple pointy boots the Minister of Magic. And Snape is giving a story to Fudge, but it's not 
really the story that happened, was it? Well, he was unconscious for part of it, so... so he just kind of... And took, he wasn't crea- there for the other part. Took creative license when filling in some of the holes. Well, yeah, he, he just filled things in as, as best he could. Now, Snape's side of the story was that... Or Snape's way of telling the story was that Sirius Black had used a, a confounding charm on the kids, right? Mm-hmm. What was... Uh, you go a little bit deeper into what he was saying? I... I never really heard it explained that it was used that way, but he was saying that Sirius basically put a spell on the kids and told them a different story and convinced them that he was innocent. So my question to you that I wrote down here is Snape's story is not what really happened. We know that. Yes. We what, know that. Was Snape changing the story because he really didn't know? Or was he bending the truth because of his negative history with Sirius? Mm. Or is it somewhere in the middle? Somewhere in the middle. I mean, he does have this negative opinion of not only Sirius, but Lupin as well. So I think that fueled his logic. Mm-hmm. And this was the most logical thing he could come up with. So he was kind of trying to fill in the puzzle pieces, and based on his prejudices, he kind of, that kind of influenced how he filled in those puzzle pieces. I think so. And even if, even if he wasn't sure that there was actually a spell on the kids, I think that maybe he thought, oh, well. There's just stupid enough they might fall for his lies. Mm-hmm. But this will be better. Why is, why is Cornelius Fudge so... He seems so... Um, what's the word? Like, ditzy? <laughs> ditzy? Like, he does... He just... You would think that the Minister of Magic would be a little bit more with it. But he just seems like he's kind of just like a... I don't know. He just like kind of like he's like he's like he's got a lot of personality, and he's got a lot of like boisterousness to him, and that's probably why he ascended to that level politically. But he just doesn't seem like he's the most level-headed, competent wizard to be in a position like that. Um. No, I totally agree. Uh, the only thing I can think of is maybe, you know, they had such dark times. Maybe they needed a lighter personality, Mm -hmm. a more fun personality. Somebody who's good with, like, the press and, you know, somebody not necessarily, like, a good uh, commander-in-chief, but somebody who, like, presents... We've had presidents like that who were not the brightest bulbs in the box, but they were very charismatic and they're very good speech makers mm-hmm. and they they some sometimes just cuz they look good on TV. You know, you talk about that the first televised debate I think was John F Kennedy and Richard Nixon and John F Kennedy came out there like tanned and relaxed and Richard Nixon was out there like sweating bullets and he really got exposed on that national TV platform and a lot a lot of people think that that's what lost him the election was because of just how smooth JFK was. So there's there there could be something there. It just 
every time I come across Cornelius Fudge in these books, I'm just like, why are you in charge? You you just he just seems like very inadequate uh, to deal with everything that's going on. Yeah, but I don't think there's been a lot going on lately. You know, the Dark Lord is gone. Everybody's just kind of happy. It wasn't until Harry came back to Hogwarts that things started to get troublesome. So it's Harry's fault. Got it. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I love about this chapter? What? I love how everyone... I mean, I know what you love about this chapter, but we're not to that part yet. No, that's not not what I love about (laughs) this chapter. You're talking about time travel, and that is not what I love about this chapter. I love that all of the adults in this chapter just cannot wait to shove some chocolate down the throats of these children. Well, that's the treatment. That's They just, just can't... They're... I just can't. Oh, I can't wait till this kid wakes up. I'm gonna shove so much chocolate down the, down their throats, and then why is this kid up and about? Hasn't he had his chocolate yet? Well, also though, from the standpoint of somebody who works at a school, they're trying to, you know, these dementors aren't really supposed to be here. It's kind of controversial that they're the ones at school, and now here they've gone and attacked children, again. Not just any children, but the chosen one child that got rid of the Dark Lord for us. So I think they're trying to really if you were, undo it as quickly as possible and like so we can pretend this never happened. If you were attacked by a Dementor, a la if you were attacked by a vampire and you had garlic in your pocket or a cross or some holy water, could I just like whip out like a Kit Kat or something and... Like, just, hmm. just like, chomp that, that Kit Kat down real quick and then maybe kind of buy myself some time. Possibly. <laughs> I don't know that this theory has been explored fully. Um, Try but not to cough. I would have to say probably not a Kit Kat because that's not a lot of chocolate. You need something solid chocolate. So, so not a wafer-based no, chocolate candy? No. You need solid. Or like a Dove bar or something like yeah. that? Or one, Nestle, of those, one of those crunch. Easter bunnies, the solid chocolate Easter bunnies. Oh, a solid one. Okay. Yeah, like Richie they're... Rich over here. <laughs> With your solid Easter bunny. Well, that's what they were talking about. It's like a slab of chocolate. You and I and both, she had to like break it up with a hammer. You don't know anything about a solid Easter bunny. You and I both grew up poor. No, but I, I, had, I had grandparents that liked to spend. Oh, that's like, right. They didn't think it, like, it wasn't worth it like, if you hmm, didn't buy the top I of the wonder line. I wonder if the Easter bunny brought some solid chocolate bunnies to grandma's house yeah we better go check definitely this hollow stuff although i kind of preferred the hollow stuff it was easier to eat the solid you had like like gnaw on it for a while you like those cadbury eggs no god no those are the worst (laughs) (laughs) i don't know why those are such a big deal every year like that they they just they show so many is it a big deal it's the same commercial that's been playing since we were little kids because they because they don't need to try very hard people are just gonna buy them all up yeah just because they have to they're they're pretty gross though yeah they are pretty gross well uh harry awakens he hears snape's story to fudge which he knows is totally false and he freaks out sirius is innocent Peter Pettigrew is alive. We weren't confounded. That's not the way it happened. We saw him. He was a rat. And uh, before they can shove chocolate down his throat, luckily Dumbledore shows up. 
I think they did shove some chocolate in his mouth. Oh, oh, he, like, no. Shut that kid it. up. <laughs> yeah. Shut that kid up. Give him a Cadbury egg. <laughs> oh, God, no. That's not solid chocolate. You don't want that. Luckily, Dumbledore shows up wanting to talk to Harry and Hermione alone. Ron is still out of it, I guess. Yeah, he's still out. Yeah, Ron got hit pretty hard by Peter Pettigrew, whatever Peter did when he picked up the, the wand, that I guess, that Sirius dropped when he... Yeah, we don't know what uh, transformed. he did. He, just he, he hit uh, Crookshank pretty hard with something, and he hit Ron pretty hard with something. And then Ron also had like the broken leg going yeah, into it. Yeah, so it's probably too, best so. that he stay asleep for a little yeah, while. Yeah, he needs, he needs to sleep it off. But Snape is very upset by Dumbledore even wanting to talk to the children. That kind of caught me off guard a little bit about how aggressive Snape was toward his boss, essentially, the headmaster mm-hmm. Dumbledore. Why? What was Snape so up in arms about? Was he worried that that his story was going to get exposed for not what it, for what it was, which is not one hundred percent true? Did he want to just get this serious black thing over with? Why are we even talking to the kids? You should be on your way with the Dementors up to Flitwick's office and doing the Dementors kiss on this guy right now. We got him. Why was Snape just so so vile and so aggressive toward Dumbledore? Well, I'm sure it's a lot of reasons, but, you know, we already established with the conversation between Siri, uh, between Snape and Fudge that Snape's not happy about Harry getting special treatment and getting, uh, when he breaks the rules, they look the other way and, oh, well, it's, it's Harry and blah, yeah, blah, Fudge blah. Yeah, Fudge said that. We kind of, yeah. you know, we have a blind spot for, for him. And he's like, well, that's not a good thing. And then, boom, here comes Dumbledore. And he's like, yeah, 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 I heard your side of the story. Now I'm going to hear theirs. And I just feel like, and I know he, he knew he had some holes in his story. But I just feel like he he felt like he got pushed aside. And his version of the, not just his version of the story, but that Dumbledore's going to take Harry's side over his. And I feel like that doesn't, it's not just Harry and getting special treatment, but we got to go back to like James and Sirius and and Lupin in their time at school. I feel like Snape probably got not believed a couple of times when he was up against that crew, and this was kind of his chance to get the win over that crew, and he saw it shriveling away. Well, Dumbledore believes Harry and Hermione. He tells them as uh, just just that. But we know Dumbledore isn't the end-all, be-all when it comes to decisions. Even though Dumbledore... Harry didn't, man. He was blindsided by that. He was just like, I just expected Dumbledore to be able to fix everything. Well, I mean, you think about Dumbledore couldn't fix the Buckbeak situation. Beforehand, yeah. And then we have in the Chamber of Secrets the fact that Dumbledore couldn't stop Haggard from getting sent to the worst place... That a wizard could get sent to Azkaban prison for something he didn't do. We we think of Dumbledore, we kind of put him on this pedestal as this all-powerful wizard. And he is, as far as spells and things like, and, you know, enchantments that he can do. And running the school. I mean, he's the top when it comes to the school. But when it comes to, like, overall political power... There's only so much he can do, and that and that was proven when with with uh, Lucius Malfoy and his influence on the 
on the Ministry of Magic. It's very the Wizarding World is a lot more political than I than I thought it was. There's a lot of like back backstage deals and under the table things going on, and it's all about who you know. Well, and the books follow the children at school, so we don't see it mm-hmm. except for when it affects them. But there's really nothing Dumbledore can do here without proof. He still has to answer to the to the ministry, and he needs proof other than the the personal stories of a couple of children. And he points out that there were, I don't remember how many people who swore that they saw and testified that they saw Sirius kill someone. And you know, he's saying, I got, you know, without proof, it's just the word of some kids. Mm-hmm. So in this chapter, the namesake of the chapter is Hermione's secret. And we learn what Hermione's secret is. So fill us in on what is Hermione's secret. Oh, Hermione's secret. Well, a lot of people complain about this secret. But, um, she, whoever thought this was a good idea, thought this was logical. They granted her permission to have a time turner. And a lot of people even question why J.K. Rowling would have this this piece exist other than for this bit of the story because it just messes up everything in the whole story. Like, why didn't they use them before when they... Why didn't they use them here and here and here to help battle the Dark Lord and whatever? But anyway, so she's got this time-turner and she's been using it to go to all of the classes. We've gotten hints and and little clues dropped on us throughout the whole book. How she was there one minute and then gone the next. <clears throat> and she was using this time turner to literally take all of the classes. So McGonagall had to get special permission, apparently. Yeah, it says she wrote tons of letters. From the ministry, because apparently wizards in the past have used these time turners for nefarious means. Yeah. And they had to say, well, this is strictly educational. A very talented young lady. This is the only way that she'd be able to take all the classes. She would never break any of the rules. Of course not. Not Hermione. No. Who breaks rules every book. Every book. Every book. That That's the Gryffindor in her coming out in, in every book. We always talk about how she could have easily... She's got a lot of the characteristics of a Ravenclaw. Yes. Because of how book smart she is and how her quest for knowledge. But... I think that little, she's got a little adventurous streak in her, and it comes out in every book, something that that she does that is kind of out of character for her, seemingly. Well, and it's also part of the, the Ravenclaw logic, I think. She just, she sees what needs to be done, and yes, maybe it's against the rules, but this is what needs to be done. So that's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. So... McGonagall was the one who set up this whole time turn to thing. So, of course, Dumbledore was aware of it as well. Yes. Being the headmaster. So, Dumbledore has a plan. And a very it, cryptic plan. And it involves the time turner. Mm-hmm. And involves Harry and Hermione. And if, he, if they play their cards right, they might be able to save not only the innocent life of Sirius Black, but maybe also another innocent life as well so what is the plan in a nutshell in give me nutshell. your elevator pitch 
of, of the plan here. They're going to go back in time, save Buckbeak, use Buckbeak to then fly up to the tower where Sirius is being held captive and rescue him and send the two away together. So this is where things get really mushy for my brain. Oh, yes. I hate time travel. He really does. I hate it so much. I I can't tell you how much it it frustrates me. I can't tell you how much how many times I've asked legitimate questions of people about time travel movies or time travel TV shows or how could this possibly happen if this hasn't happened yet. And I would have thought the final Avengers movie would have set everything straight for you. It it helped a little bit because they actually had like a little diagram for it and said that they kind of it branches off and creates a separate timeline and then when you return it back it that timeline gets erased but it's there's still so many and just look on YouTube there's so many people that are still confused by by plot holes that that time travel creates and it really is a, a cavernous amount of of holes that you have to explain and that sometimes the explanation is my problem sometimes people will give the explanation and it still doesn't make sense to me and that I think that's what's going to happen here between you and you and me because how can something that you haven't gone back and changed yet already have repercussions in the current timeline I, I hate it. It makes my head hurt. How can something have happened? Something happened in the last chapter. It obviously happened. The the Patronus was conjured by somebody. Mm-hmm. But we're going to find out in this chapter who actually conjured that Patronus. And it has not happened yet. The, the person has not gone back in time and done that. So how could it have possibly happened already in the previous chapter? Don't laugh at me. <laughs> you are so stressed right now. I hate it. I hate it. This is, this is, wor- I was going to say this is worse than the coronavirus, but no, I almost died. So, <laughs> but I, this is, it makes my head hurt. It, it makes your head hurt worse than the coronavirus made your head hurt? I would say as much as. Okay. And I had a pretty. Because those, those headaches were pretty bad. And I had a pretty bad headache. So, we're going to do three clicks of the time turner, right? Three turns. Three turns. We're going to go back about three hours. And Dumbledore, Dumbledore says, as I alluded to a second ago, if we do it right, we can save more than one innocent life. And the kids really don't know what that means. No, he was very cryptic with his... But Harry, luckily, is able to deduce pretty quickly when Harry and Hermione go back in time and they duck into a broom closet real quick. And to then, avoid their past selves, yes. And then they see and hear Harry, Ron, and Hermione in the past walking down the hallway. Well, they the don't hallway. see them because they're under the invisibility cloak. Oh, geez. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I just wanted to add that in. Just That's to, true. Just to, just to make your brain hurt a little bit more. But Harry it deduces really that based on when they went back, this is before Buckbeak is executed. So the plan must be t- to save Buckbeak. That's the other innocent life yeah. that Dumbledore was alluding to. 
And then Harry magically figures out that not only are we going to save Buckbeak, but we're going to fly him up to that window well, and, he did count and save Sirius. Which number window it was. Dumbledore did give them the, the number window from the like right. Like the coordinates. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Top of the tower, 13... Man, it would have ta- taken me the whole three hours to figure that out. Be like, okay, we, we saved Buckbeak. Now what? We just like let Buckbeak go. How are we going to get up into the... T- <laughs> you would have let Buckbeak go. I would have let him gone, go. Oh, man. Run off, Buckbeak. We needed him. Run off. Be Dang free, it. Buckbeak. Go. Live your life. Oh, man. Now we need a ladder or something. How are we going to get up there? But Harry figures it out. And during this time travel nonsense... We have to make sure that we don't disrupt anything other than the big plan, right? Right. Can't be seen, can't nope. assist in any other way. We don't want any don't want to step on any butterflies. You know the uh, the old butterfly effect, what you do in the past affects what happens in the future. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so Harry and Hermione free Buckbeak. But we can't just fly up to the window to save Sirius because Sirius isn't there yet. No. So in this chapter, what one thing that bothered me, one, part of the reason that the chapter was so long, there's just a lot of standing around and picking our noses and <laughs> waiting for, yeah. for stuff to happen. There's just a, a lot of hurry up and wait. There's a lot. They're just like, no, Buckbeak, we just got to stand behind this rock. <laughs> stand behind this tree. Oh, we got to move a little bit because this is where the werewolf's going to come running through. It's very, it feels like it could have been compacted a little bit more. Does that make sense? Yes, but I worry, you know, with the time travel, people might have gotten lost if she did that. I'm lost. I I know you're lost. I'm lost. But you knew where you were at. You just didn't know why things were working out that way. I'm still not 100% sure. (laughs) I, have I mentioned that I hate time travel? Yes. So, guys, he came and, like, dropped down on the couch with me, and he was like, okay, so I have some questions. And we had to go through it. I was so frustrated, and I have just beaten the coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> and now you lost to a and now I'm, children's now book. And now I'm losing again. <laughs> I felt like this big man who defeated this, this thing that could have killed me and now I'm a a precursor to the, the YA craze book is shutting me down is it what, Harry Potter a YA book um I mean we talked about how it was kind of like the uh, like the inspiration for like the big YA craze probably wouldn't yeah, happen yeah got the real push and I don't know if we talked about it on the show but we talked about it some of the panels we've done I know mm-hmm. for sure at, at different comic cons that if if not for I think Harry Potter built this whole generation or not all of them but many of the generation of the of the big YA authors right now wouldn't have even existed if, if Harry Potter had not. But is yeah, it classified there? Classified as a YA book? I don't. When I went to the library once years and years ago, years ago. Years and years ago, when I went to the library looking for it, it was in the children's section, mm-hmm. like with the the kids' books, and mm-hmm. I was like, it just didn't make any sense. 
that these massive books were over here in the little kid chapter books. I'm like, why? And most of them, I think, are like a seventh, eighth grade reading level too. So, like, why would a like an eighth a book that's like an eighth grade reading level? I didn't know if there was like some rule that we're. I know mean, the first one is pretty. It's a smaller book. Mm. It's easy reader. But even that's but like a, even that's like a, a fifth or sixth grade book based on like the Lexile level yeah. of it. I don't know. I was quite confused when I went looking for a copy. And I couldn't find it because it was in the kids section. We're talking like Lexile levels. That's like my, the only <laughs> thing I know, like my bread and butter right now. But most of the Harry Potter books, like over a thousand Lexile level. And that would put it into like the seventh, eighth grade range, which I guess would kind of be that, that YA range. Because mm -hmm. you know, like the Hunger Games is not a very, and like the Twilight books are not super high level books either i think it's just the content of it's them a little more mature right yeah. which is hard it's hard for a kid who's like in fourth grade who's reading on like a seventh grade level because you know most of the seventh eighth grade books have you know some adult themes in it mm -hmm. and they are their reading mind is prepared for that but their um their actual mind like the uh uh, the 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 they're, where they're at like growth wise and development wise might not be be ready for that so that's like it's kind of like a hard spot to be in. There's there are huge huge arguments that get going on the you know the book chat groups about like people believe very strongly that kids should be able to read whatever they want to read. And it shouldn't be censored, and we shouldn't say these books are too mature for them, and whatever. And I get that. And everybody can make their own choice for their own kids. Some kids are a little more mature at a certain age, and some are not. But, um, I don't think my cousins listen to this, but you remember Abby started getting into reading some of the books that I read. And there were certain ones I was like, no. But she was like... A sophomore in high school but she kind of always had a more sheltered upbringing and mm -hmm. she was just a little bit more innocent mm -hmm. and I don't want to call her naive but she just she stayed on that side of the ropes not like naive is a bad word you know a lot of yeah. it's, like, it's like one of those words like like ignorant has like got kind of gotten like a, a bad, like a, a bad connotation it. and it's not really what it means <laughs> you know it's not it doesn't mean that you're dumb it doesn't mean that you're stupid it means that you are not aware of certain things and i'm not i don't want to say that's the thing i don't want to say she wasn't aware of it mm -hmm. she just chose to stay over there mm -hmm. she was like i know about that but i don't want to deal with that yeah, right now i don't need it all, I in, I don't need it all in my face <laughs> yeah you just keep that over there, mm -hmm. and I'm going to just have fun over here. Yep, nothing wrong with that. Um, and she went to a book signing with me for um, Sarah Mahas's newest book at the time, which was the Court of Thorns and Roses series, because she had started reading um, the Throne of Glass series, which is about an assassin, and there are some, you know, adult themes in that but not quite the same as was in... So it's not about, like, a nice assassin? <laughs> no. 
Well, Neil, she's kind of nice. She's fun. She likes to drink tea and read books. Yeah. And, and put on pretty I dresses could kill and you, but twirl I her won't. hair, and then she goes out and kills people. You know, it's just, it's very. She kills them emotionally, though. <laughs> she like, <laughs> no. she like, ma- like makes fun of them, like, uh, like about their upbringing, and just really breaks them down emotionally. She's an emotional assassin. No, no, she liked her blades, oh. but it wasn't smutty. And the newer new series was. Was. And I was just like, Abby, I don't think you should read that. Like all of a sudden, Sarah Moss turned into Danielle Steele. Yeah, man, she flipped a switch somewhere. <laughs> like a Fabio book. And, <laughs> Fabio on the cover. Well, back to what I was saying about the people who get really defensive and have very strong opinions online, like all people online do. But I pointed out to them, I said, yes, people should be able to choose for their children or let their children choose or whatever. But as people who work in education, who like to recommend books and suggest things, I was very disappointed when Sarah Moss flipped that switch because her books were really good and they really drew people in and could get young readers to read. Now that I've got you, but now here she, comes the smut. <laughs> yeah, once she flipped that switch and turned the smut on, I couldn't recommend her books anymore. Mm-hmm. For fear that the parents would be upset. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people... I I made that point online and some people were like, Oh, okay, I get that. But... I'm like... Well, that's been uh, the public service announcement from... (laughs) Sorry. Dan and and Jess Rhino here on Broomsticks and Butterbeer. But I like... I kind of like going into the weeds sometimes. A little bit sometimes. You know, I think that's, that's what makes... I think that's what makes the discussion fun. You know, if we're just given a, you know, blow by blow of what, of what happens in the chapter, and we, you know, don't kind of go off on these other tangents, then we're just giving you cliff notes of the book, and that's mm-hmm. really not the point. The point is to kind of, you know, dive deeper, and if we kind of get off on, you know, another topic that that could kind of be related in some way to to literature or, uh, you know, the the uh, grow the mind of a the growing mind of a young reader, you know. Then I think that all applies to what we're talking about. Here. And Harry Potter doesn't ever really switch over to the smut, mm-hmm. but it does get advanced. It's it pretty, gets dark. Yeah, pretty dark. Like next book, <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. So um, you know, it's the same thing here. And so that's why I was really surprised that it was in the children's section. I don't know where it is now. I'd be curious. But even in YA, like you're saying, there's there's a huge range. Yeah. You know, there's the Harry Potter books, the lighter stuff, the stuff for younger YA, and then there's the stuff for the older YA where mm-hmm. they flip the smut switch on. And it's just, it's, it's a huge range, and it needs to kind of be broken up. And they, they're tried with, like, YA and then new adult. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard that one. Yeah, that didn't really stick, I don't think. They tried. Well, you would think that YA is very... It's kind of got, like, drawing power now. Just the mm-hmm. j- just the, the title or just the, the, the category. When you think of YA, a lot of people are kind of drawn to it. A lot of the, the conventions and stuff that you go to, they have YA panels. And they get filled up and sold out really quick. Yeah. Or even like the section in the li- in the, not the library, but mm-hmm. they do have them in the library in the bookstore. Mm-hmm. You go to the YA section, mm-hmm. 
you wouldn't think to go yeah. to the NA section. Yeah, so if you get if you get shoehorned into this section that is just an, kind of up and coming, you might lose a lot of book sales by getting shoehorned into that. It's kind of like, you know, when movies make a movie that's R-rated versus a movie that's PG-13, a lot of movies don't want that R rating because that significantly lowers the amount of people that can go see those movies, which yeah. would significantly lower the amount of money they can make. So a lot of times they will take out as much as they can, still keeping the general theme of the movie and the, the vision of the movie, but getting down to that PG-13 rating because it's shown that that just incrementally increases the amount of money that you could make so it's you know it, it i think it's different in all in all mediums but you know if you get shoehorned into a, a category that could be the death knell of your your book and as a result of, of your career you mm -hmm. know if your first book doesn't sell well because of like the, uh, just the category it got put in you may not have lost. a second book yeah yeah you may not have a second book uh so let's get back <laughs> to uh, chapter 21 here of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. So like we said, Harry and Hermione have freed Buckbeak. A lot of waiting around in this chapter because we got to wait until Sirius gets almost killed by the Dementors and then recovered by Snape and then taken up to the castle and then put in Flitwick's office before we can fly up there and get him. So Harry promises Hermione that he's not going to mess with any of the timeline. Mm-hmm. But there's one thing that he really wants to see really, really bad. Just, I just want to see it. I'm not going to mess with the timeline. I just want to see it. He just needs... Right At this point, they're they're back in Hagrid's cabin hiding out with Harry, Hermione, and Buckbeak. Yeah, because Dumbledore and Hagrid got drunk together. Well, they, uh, there was a little brandy involved. <laughs> there was a little brandy involved. And then we saw... And we're not talking about the... Uh, we're not talking about Brandy, the uh, the pop singer from the 90s. No. There was a little bit of the alcoholic beverage uh, Brandy involved. I think D Dumbledore says, I wouldn't mind a spot of tea and maybe some Brandy. Oh, he said, or, a or at least in mine, he said a spot of tea or a large Brandy. A large Brandy. <laughs> so a spot of tea, just a little bit of tea. Or, or if you want, we can get a big old thing of Brandy. Yeah. And we know Hagrid can put him away. He's a big well, dude. Well, and then all of his stuff is kind of big anyway. Mm -hmm. So imagine what. So Dumbledore wants one of those Hagrid. He wants one of those Hagrid-sized glasses. That's what he wants. But like I said, there's something that Harry really just has to see. He needs to go out and take a peek at what happened by the water. Yes, because he thought he recognized somebody so by the water. The familiar person that conjured up that Patronus, that person that he thought he recognized. He was wondering, and he wondered to Hermione, could it have possibly been my dad? Is that even possible? Is it possible that somebody who's long since dead could come back as like a Star Wars Force ghost and conjure up a Patronus? Because we, we didn't, he didn't tell us that in the last chapter, but he actually says it out loud to Hermione this time that I thought it was my dad. It looked like it my looked dad. It looked like my dad. It couldn't have been, but it lo I thought it was my dad. So it could have been his father. So when Harry goes and sees his three hours past self. <laughs> All right, well, hold on. I want to back up. So yeah, Hermione kind of badgered. We want to go back in time a little bit. 
Hermione kind of badgers him into, well, what happened? What did you see? You saw something. What happened? And he didn't really want to tell her because he knew it sounded crazy. Mm-hmm. And so then he finally does tell her that I think I saw my dad. And, of course, she looks at him like he's crazy. But I just wanted to point out, it it was kind of possible. I mean, he, and he pointed out, we just saw Peter Pettigrew. He was supposed to be dead, too. Mm-hmm. And he was right there. We just saw him. And Not to mention the fact that we're time traveling. We're time traveling. Right we're now. All kinds of so things. my dad coming back and conjuring up a Patronus is crazy to you. <laughs> so, I mean, I just wanted to point out that he didn't think, he thought it was possible. And he did have some logic to back it up. It wasn't just a, a boy missing his dad and going, I think I saw my dad. So Harry, the time traveling Harry, yes. sees his three hours. I was past calling them one, past self. and future. No, one and two. Past and future. <laughs> uh, I was saying Ebenezer one and Scrooge two. Ebenezer and Jacob Marley and all those guys. <laughs> yeah. They're gonna show up. So Harry, the time traveling Harry, sees his three hours past self, Harry and Sirius in danger mm-hmm. from the Dementors, and Harry can't help but break his promise to Hermione and just kind of instinctively lets out an expecto patronum. Yeah, he kind of, he's waiting, he's waiting, okay, anytime now, anytime now, my dad's going to show up, anytime now, and then it doesn't happen and it just kind of clicks in his head what actually happened. He was like, oh, I'm, I, I'm standing right where my dad was standing on the other side of the lake. Not to mention it's I kind of look like my moment, dad. <laughs> I kind of look like my dad. And it just kind of all clicks, and he's like, it was me, and he just does it. It, That gives him the confidence to do it. Okay, so he conjures up a stag that chases away the Dementors and returns to him a a very powerful uh, Patronus charm. Yes. So the three hours ago, Harry, when he thought he saw someone familiar, he did. He saw himself from the future who had traveled back in time. Yes, but it was more logical that it was his dead father than it was himself. God, I wish it would have just been his dead father because my head hurts. I just wrote, huh? With like six question marks (laughs) on on my notes here. Oh my goodness. So, so... How could Harry have seen it in the last chapter? How could he have seen himself in the last chapter if they didn't even time travel until the next chapter? Because it's still the same chunk of time. So that whole time, I think I think it'll help when you see the movie. I don't think so. <laughs> I think that, and the fact that you're trying to defend it, it makes me feel like you're not on my side. And... And that makes me sad because I love you and I cherish you, but now I'm I, trying to help I you. I kind of make it kind of makes me think that you don't like me and that you're doing this on purpose just to, <laughs> to frustrate me. And I kind of want to know what I did to to make you so mad at me. So maybe we just get it all out here in front of everybody, and we could just kind of just figure this thing out i'm just trying to help you understand you're not you're 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 not helping me no no just taking your side and going yeah you're right this is crazy doesn't help you you don't 
you, doesn't help you understand. Can you agree that time travel is dumb? It's complicated. Can you say that it is dumb? <laughs> it's complicated. It's not complicated, it's dumb. I would prefer, as a general rule, it did not exist. Yes. Because it causes Agreed. too many problems. The whole, well, why didn't you just go back in time and fix this? And go back in time and fix that? And why don't you just... And I know there are arguments on that side. Well, then it changes the whole future and it messes everything up. And then you don't know how it's going to affect the future. Blah, 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 blah. I just, I would rather it didn't exist. You know the first Superman movie? Yeah. I love that movie. Uh-huh. Until one part. So he flies around. He flies around the, the Earth. He changes the Earth's rotation. Which should throw the Earth into chaos. <laughs> should just like... Mess the poles up and like change, have all these like horrible, only a few minutes, right? Horrible, like weather things that 20 minutes. But he goes back in time, he gets so mad that Lois dies. Spoiler alert, the movie came out in 1978. What? So, if you haven't seen it by now, it came out like over 40 years ago. He goes back, he turns the earth back the other way, goes back and saves Lois. Why don't he just always do that? Whenever some bad guy does bad exactly. things. Exactly. That's why I would prefer it didn't exist. That should be every movie. Like, oh, I didn't catch the bad guy. I'll see you in a couple minutes. Bad guy's like, what? And then goes back in time and he says, I caught you. He goes, I didn't even do anything yet. That yeah, but you were about to. That people exploded? Hold on. Mm-hmm. Nobody should ever get hurt. Nobody should ever have anything bad happen to him. Because Superman apparently just has the power to just fly turn the earth backwards and there's no consequences whatsoever so it'll be fine it'll be fine no stakes nothing I, i it's stupid i don't like it but i digress we wait a little bit longer because that's what we do in this chapter is we wait, wait, wait around. Wait, 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 wait. We fly Buckbeak up to Sirius. Sirius and Buckbeak escape into the night and the chapter is over. So my question to you is, because my head still hurts and I still have more questions, what do Harry and Hermione do now? Because in my understanding, they did not click the the time turner forward to go back to like the original timeline that they left they just waited they went back three hours and then just lived in this timeline up to current time so in my understanding there's still another harry and hermione running around in this current timeline yes until they go back in time so what do they so they go back do they go back to the infirmary yeah they go back to the infirmary and Harry and Hermione are laying there? No. They just like get under the covers next to them? No, they they wait till they go back in time and they just take their place. See that, that, no. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense to me. So they're just, they're waiting because that's what we do in this chapter. We're just waiting around. Mm-hmm. They wait until they see Dumbledore come in and talk to their past, past selves. selves living in the current timeline. And then when they leave, they just hop into bed, into their beds? Yep. Okay. You hesitated there for a second. Well, like thought... you didn't have a good answer and you <laughs> no, just said, yep, I... which is frustrating to me because <laughs> mean, time okay, so travel after, is stupid. After past 
Ron, not Ron, Ron's still asleep. Uh, Hermione and Harry turn the time turner and disappear, then yes, the other Harry and Hermione come in the time and just time travelers and just come in and go to bed. Because they want to, they got to play like they were there the whole time, and they didn't do anything that involved serious. So then the other ones who were in the bed, they go back in time again. They go, so they go back in time, and then there's, and so that just circle just keeps going. Like they just keep going back in time, and then coming back and waiting for the current. Harry and Hermione to go back in time before they hop into bed. That just that just keeps happening. You you don't yes. have an answer. You don't have an answer, do you? You don't. It because it makes no sense. Because say it with me, time travel is dumb. It merges back together. Remember we were talking about the branches no, and then the merging back that's, together. That's not what happens. That's not what happens. It merges back no, together. No, you cannot use a movie that came out in 2019 <laughs> to explain a book that came out in 2000. You can't do it. Say it with me. Time travel, travel is, is dumb. dumb. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Jessica. High five. And that's the new t-shirt that we're going to be getting out from Broomsticks and Butterbeer. <laughs> It's gonna say on. It's gonna have the broomsticks and butterbeer logo on the front. It's gonna on the back says "Time travel is dumb." We'll have our uh, little hyphen Dan Rhino. Oh, that's your your quote. That's shirt? my quote. Your quote is "I'm just happy to be at Hogwarts." My quote is "Time travel is dumb." Uh, so my head hurts right now, and uh, that's it for chapter 21, the long penultimate chapter of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, and uh, we've got one chapter left. I believe it's called Owl Post Again. Owl Post Again, yes. That uh, is going to wrap up the book, and then we'll be on. Uh, we're going to watch the movie, and then we'll be on to the next uh, book in the uh, Harry Potter saga. But before we do, is there anything else you want to say about Chapter Twenty One? And then we've got an email. I know I think we covered the chapter pretty well. All right, so our email here. You can always send us those emails at broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com, or you can tweet us at broomsticks. B. That's broomsticks followed by the letter B. There's no spaces, no underscores, and we'll give you a shout out on the air. And this email comes from Susan in Tempe, Arizona. Hi, Susan. And Susan writes, I'm curious as to why Draco Malfoy is so vilified for being a bully, while James Potter's bullying goes largely ignored. What are your thoughts on this? So, Draco Malfoy, kind of the bad guy of the whole story. We've, we've had emails about that before about kind of the reasons why he is the way that he is because of his upbringing and kind of the societal things that were going on around him the uh, you know kind of a victim of his environment but where we hear a lot about James Potter and his crew and some of the the jock antics that they got up to when they were at Hogwarts and i guess Susan's question is why is that not vilified was the word that she used the same way that Draco's bullying is. I, or do you feel like that it is? I feel like we kind of start to get there. But the thing with Draco is it's every book, every chapter. I mean, it's always in our face. Mm -hmm. We see it, we see it, we see it, we see it. 
the James Potter stuff, we get a little tidbit here, and we get a little tidbit there, and then we piece this together, and we get a piece of that. But Harry's very slow to, you know, he's got this vision of his dad built up in his head. There's no way his dad was a bad guy. So it takes him a long time to get the bias out of his head and kind of see, well, my dad was kind of a jerk sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, but also the James Potter stuff, kind of a, you know, boys will be boys. It's not, with the exception of some of the stuff that's serious, I mean, the bigger things seem to be more on Sirius's side. Mm -hmm. um, but we do see there is a scene where he is outright bullying Snape. And, but then there's also other factors that go into that. You know, Snape and Lily were kind of friends, and he wanted the attention, and it just, there are factors that go into that, and it's kind of boys will be boys, especially jock boys. But it is still bullying. But Draco's goes further, I think mostly too, because we just see it constantly throughout the book. It does bug me a little bit because I kind of had this, I kind of had the same feelings that Harry had. I kind of had this, this vision of James in my, in my head as this great guy. And we find out that inherently that he's just like most people, he's very flawed. And, and James was not a, a perfect person no. he, he made a lot of mistakes as well along the way and I like that in a character development way because it for characters to be authentic they shouldn't be perfect, perfect. they have to have a, an arc of right they have to have they have to have they have to be vulnerable they have to have vulnerabilities they have to have Achilles heels they have to you know have chinks in their armor so to speak but it, it does bug me that I think that we hear about some of the things that he did I, and I don't I don't know if it bugs me I think it just bugs me personally because I, I guess I'm kind of let down by it because yeah. I wanted him you wanted him to be this great yeah. kind of like kind of like person. Harry I wanted I had this ideal of James Potter built up in my head and from a writing standpoint, it makes a lot of sense that he would be flawed. But I guess from my personal standpoint, how I was invested in this character, who was murdered very, very early in the, you know, the saga was kind of the whole precipice of the, of the whole story. That's part of it too. Nobody likes to really think bad about or say bad about the dead. Mm -hmm. So he kind of has that little buffer there too. Oh well he's dead so we don't focus on his bad attributes but we talk about his good attributes. And really that's right. He was a good person in the end. But when he was in school and I feel like thinking about what I just said earlier I'm gonna get in trouble for that I was justifying the bullying and but and that's not what I meant. It just we see more of a reasoning behind or I see more of a reasoning behind his bullying than I do Draco. Draco, yeah, I know his family and his upbringing, but he really just likes to be mean to Harry because of that one initial, no, I don't really want to be your friend because you, I've watched you be a jerk to all these other people already. Why would I be your friend? 
And I'm sure that's not the only time that's happened to Draco. He just got upset because it was the famous Harry Potter that mm -hmm. snubbed him. So now he's out to get him. And it just that's just more villainous in my mind mm -hmm. than James and his buddies getting in trouble. I mean, how many pranks do you think the Weasley boys yeah, and, and George play on people. And I kind of do this. I kind of think the same thing for me personally because I was picked on a lot when I was younger. And then when I got into high school and I, I got more popular due to sports and things like that, now all of a sudden I'm on the other end of it. And I, I look back on some of the things that I might have said to people or some of the things that I might have done. And I was never like super malicious or anything like that. But there were a couple times when when I when you're in a position of power that you know you're you're immature and you make you make mistakes that you look back on now like why would I have done that you know like now that I'm an adult and now that I've realized you know even knowing what what it feels like to be on the other end of it why would I have said something like that why would I have done something like that why would I have you know, made fun of someone like that, and I don't. I don't have a reason for it. I don't have a, and I consider myself to be a pretty good person. Well, you're Hufflepuff. I'm a Hufflepuff. <laughs> I, I consider myself to be, you know, somebody who tries to go out of their way to to take care of other people's needs before I take care of mine. But at but at the same time, I'm inherently flawed as well. And, you know, I'm still trying to atone for, for past mistakes, just like we all are. You know, we're all, we're all flawed human beings. And it's part of being a kid. And I, I kind of said that earlier, kids will be kids. And yeah, I'm not justifying bullying, but like even a little bit ago, you were on the phone with your sister and her kids were being mean to each other. Mm -hmm. They're siblings, they love each other, we know this. But, and that's another thing they say, oh, well, sibling rivalry, siblings fight, they bicker. It's, it's, that's not really considered bullying, usually, you know. It's just that's how kids are. Mm -hmm. Well, you, they're still trying to figure out who they are. They're still trying to figure out their place in the world. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're still, their brains are still developing. They're, they're, they're not even close to being the person, the finished product of the person that they're going Go to be. And even and you and I aren't, you know, finished products yet. We're still... Has, still have things that we work on, still have things that we would like to improve. And, you know, we're well past Hogwarts age. <laughs> and they're, and for kids, their world is so small and so little things that we're like, that is not even worth arguing over. Mm -hmm. They don't understand that. Mm -hmm. That's life and death to them. It's a lot of, you know, the kids at our school, they're always fighting. Fist fights over something stupid. Mm -hmm. But to them, it's a big deal. Yeah, but and then you try to talk to them and try to get them to process your thinking, but that's impossible for somebody who's eight to think things logically through as somebody who's you know five times their age mm -hmm. and who who has these life experiences. So that has been the uh, the Rhino Growth and Development <laughs> Sociological <laughs> Review here on uh, Broomsticks and Butterbeer. Look out for our new, uh, our, new uh, our new podcast coming out. That's where we are going to uh, pick apart all of society's woes and, uh, and fix the world for you. Not right now. There's too many. 
No, we're still coming off the coronavirus. So we're still trying to get our strength we're, back. We're lucky we could uh, get through this podcast here. But we did. We got through it. So high five. Woo! Survivors. We, and uh, we survived the podcast and we survived the coronavirus. So thanks everybody for downloading, listening, and subscribing, sticking with us through this layoff that we had. We, I know we say this every time that we have a layoff. We say, oh, we're going to get back onto it. And then the world threatens to end again. Yeah. And <laughs> The summer that I was sick the entire summer. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the most recent one? Oh, I lost my voice all mm-hmm. of December pretty yeah. much. Uh, about this time last year, I had the flu. And pneumonia. And followed by pneumonia when we came back from WrestleMania. We sound like really sickly people. We are very sickly people. <laughs> we both have uh, immune deficiencies. <laughs> yes. So, like, legitimate diagnosed immune deficiencies. So, we're, we're lucky to be here. Uh, we know that a lot of people are not as lucky as we are. And at, at times during the, the illness, the last three weeks that, that we've had, there was times I didn't feel very lucky. And the fact, I mean, I still can't smell or taste anything, which is, you know, stinky. Uh, meta- That's meta- an meta- odd choice of words. It's, for it, 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 uh, it stinks metaphorically, not uh, literally. Well, it uh, might. You just can't tell. Yeah, it probably does. I, I might right now. I just can't tell. <laughs> Although I'm sure you would tell me. And you don't stink today. Oh, <laughs> that that insinuates that I've been stinky recently. <laughs> well, the fact that I can't smell or taste anything is, you know, it's it's bad for me, but it's it's nothing compared to what some people are going through. So, everybody, hang in there. Please be nice to each other. <laughs> Please don't be Draco Malfoy's to each other. Yeah. Please take care of each other. Please look out for each other. Please, if you have neighbors that that need help, just check in on them. You know, um, using proper social distancing. Yeah, there's there's ways to check in on them without, you know, getting within six feet of them. Just, you know, check in on your family, check in on your neighbors, take care of your pets, do what you need to do to get through this, and hopefully we can be some small, small, small part of helping you get through this. And we're gonna try to pump these out uh, to get you some some good quality. Uh, Audio, audio gold to listen to while you're uh, quarantined at home. And if you listen to this in, you know, 10 years from now, you're probably wondering, what's the big deal? What are they talking about? But, Google it. You'll figure it yeah, out. Yeah, Google it. Here in uh, April of 2020, things look pretty bleak, but hopefully we can be a little bit of a, a Patronus to light up your uh, dark world here. So... Thanks, everybody, for downloading, listening, and subscribing. I am uh, Dan Rhino. You can follow me on Twitter, at Dan Rhino. That's R-Y-N-O. She's Jess Rhino, or Jessica Rhino. But on Twitter, she's at Jess Rhino, I believe. You can follow all her uh, book review escapades on there. Are you on Instagram as well? I don't do the gram. Um, I am. On my Instagram, mostly, though, you're going to see dog pictures. But um, I like dogs. I know you do. Our uh, blog is Batcave at WordPress, and we have an Instagram. The, the Batcave or Book Cave? I'm sorry, Book Cave. <laughs> you so started I'm, talking about dogs, and I'm I just went out to Batman. Instagram, and I don't even know anything about the IG because <laughs> I'm old. It is Book Cave. It's, yeah, Book Cave, but on WordPress, it's Book Cave Blog. 
Uh, shout out to our friend Kelly up in Brooklyn, who I believe not in Brooklyn, or not in Brooklyn, and or Manhattan. She was in Brooklyn, then she was in Manhattan. She's not <laughs> anywhere true, in no. the state of New York. Uh, she now she's in the middle of nowhere, Illinois. Yeah, she's back uh, in her hometown in Illinois, back with family, uh, riding out this uh, this pandemic. Uh, she New York is a, is a, just you know a mess. I don't even know what to say. You know, everybody says thoughts and prayers, but, you know, whatever you can do to, to help out, whether it's, I hear people are making masks, I hear people are, are you know, donating blood. As uh, soon as I get better, I'm going to go out and, and donate blood. I was, I was, you can't because of, uh, blood disorder. Yeah. 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 But, um, you I'm know, worthless. I was planning on doing that before I got sick. And as soon as I, yeah, I have officially kicked this thing. There's, there's little things we can do to, to help out, but, uh, you know, New York's a mess right now. The whole world's a mess right now. But shout out to our uh, favorite Slytherin, Kelly, who's back in uh, Mattoon, Illinois, right now. Uh, shout out to uh, Jennifer in California. Who How- is still working. She's She goes to work every day, and a lot of us are hunkered down in our homes on the stay-at-home order. I guess she has to be considered an essential employee, but she has, she's still going to work every day. Mm-hmm. It's scary, but, you know, God bless everybody that's, you know, I've got uh, my brother and my future sister-in-law are both nurses, and, you know, the, the stuff that they have to go through every day, I just, I don't, you know, I couldn't do it, not strong enough to do it, so I'm glad there's people out there that, that can take care of it, so... Um, kind of a downer to end to the, to, the, to the show here uh you want to say something positive before we get out of here i just want to say that i'm gonna bug you because i want to finish this book and watch the movie all right let's knock it so out so we're gonna be doing that i don't soon. know if you know i'm kind of busy i right we now. got a lot going on <laughs> no we don't kind of busy. No, we walk the dogs every day and that's about it now that we've uh, kicked coronavirus's butt i think we're gonna get back on on, on track. track here and then hey if my taste comes back Man, lunch is on me. So, uh, I'm Dan Rhino. She's Jessica Rhino. You can follow the show on. Uh, we're on Facebook. We're also on Twitter at Broomsticks B. Whether you download on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, give us a five star review. It helps us up the profile of the show so we can bring more of these shows to you. Uh, if you're interested in sponsoring the show, contact us uh, broomsticks.butterbeer@gmail.com or on Twitter as well. And until next time, like I said, I'm Dan Rhino. I'm Jessica Rhino. And we'll see you then. Bye.